0: Hey, God, give God praise. Let's, come on. Let's not say God. wait, God, our praise. Let's give God praise. One, two, three. Come on. Give him a mighty shout. Amen. There we go. Can't have no weak clap. Let's go. Jesus name. Let's rip. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man. Hope that you are here, ready to hear. Come on. We are ready to preach if you're ready to hear. I'm ready to preach whether you're ready to hear or not. So I'm hoping that we make a great team today. I'm ready to preach, and you're ready to hear. Come on, are you with me? Say amen. Amen. That's my 11. Now we're rolling, now we're rolling, now we're rolling. Come on. Hey, welcome to Believer's Chapel, and I do hope that you can sing with confidence and really begin to say, all is well with my soul, that you know that, that you believe that, that you live there, that you truly live there. All is well with my soul, because every hour, I need you. Church, what happens even in today as we preach this and get into this, you realize your dependence is completely on him. What is it if you wake up, it's not just on a Sunday, I get to go to church today and I need Jesus on a Sunday, that's great, but what is it that your mindset and your spirit and your heart really is every hour, I need you, I'm so focused on you, I live for you that every hour... I need you. How much do you pray throughout the day? Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. Lord, give me strength in this hour that I need it. Lord, give me strength. As a police officer, I tell you, I pray that so often. When I get a call, I'm praying. Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to understand. God, give me grace. But when it's time to fight, give me strength. Like, That's a true statement. Like, God, I need strength. Come on, I'm 54. I want to be stronger than the 22-year-old. You know what I'm saying. Like, let's get some juice going, and we have to understand that, but it's true. What happens when you really believe, God, I depend on you every hour I need you. I need your strength. God, I want to walk in courage. I want to walk in boldness. God, I want to be functioning, in the power of your Holy Spirit day in and day out, hour by hour, I depend on you. And church, what happens when you become completely dependent upon God? It's a beautiful thing, you lose yourself. We're gonna preach today on having the attitude of Christ. We're gonna unpack the attitude of Christ. Pre-game to this whole thing, let me give you what the attitude of Christ was, is that he was humble. And when you say, God, I am dependent upon you, there is a beautiful starting place to humility when it's not about you. When you realize I must depend on him every hour and it makes it not about you and it makes it about him. And when you make life about you, that's arrogant and that's the opposite of humble. So come on, I want to get into this. Philippians chapter two, I'm juiced about this. I have Loving going through verse by verse through Philippians. There's parts that we're not going to hit every verse. I don't think we need to do that. But all of chapter 2 is going to be a verse. I'm sorry, not all of chapter 2. This week and next week is going to be going, still continue through chapter 2. And then uh, in two weeks, we'll get into chapter 3. It's going to be fantastic. Don't miss this study. Invite somebody to church, man. Bring somebody to the house. Get pumped about church. Um, BC, I love Sundays, man. I love being together. I love seeing just joyful faces. I love the high fives, man. I love just seeing people who call this place home that this is your house, man. And we welcome you if you're new to BC. We're pumped that you're here today, truly. I believe this, man. I believe God's going to do a mighty work today, and I believe God is going to do a mighty work tonight. As we close out, kind of have my back section uh Led by my man, Jerry, take care. Just stack those chairs. That'd be huge for me, please. Up against the wall, that'd be amazing because we are going to get ready for seek and we're getting get ready for a time of prayer tonight. It's going to be powerful. Come on, Philippians 2, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for just what you're going to do here in this moment today. God, we got 30 minutes to preach. And God, I'm asking that you would move in such a powerful way, 36 minutes to preach. Come on, amen, and Jesus, Lord, we're going to use every minute wisely. Here we go. Father, I thank you that you would speak this word in such a powerful way uh, in and through me as your servant. And God, it is an honor and it is a privilege to be in this place today to preach your powerful word. That God, it has the ability by your spirit to move in such a way that we are not the same as we leave this place. Give us insight to your word. God, as we as we get into your word today, help, uh, help us to see what we need to see and hear what we need to hear from your spirit and by your word and speak to us and rearrange us and change us and convict us. God, I pray that this will be a word that we not walk out this place the same. But God, you would do a mighty work for your word is alive and it is powerful. And we are hungry for it that it would rearrange us today in Jesus' precious name. Come on, amen? Amen. That's my crew. Come on, chapter 2. Let's get into this. Verse 3. I I want this to show us some things. I want to learn from this today. Uh, We're going to kind of talk about a subject that's kind of like a crazy subject, like how Jesus, who is God, emptied himself And became like a man. Like it was just like, okay, this is like, whoo, there's some deep stuff. What does that mean to empty himself? Um, And and like, there's so much to this. The reality of Philippians chapter 2, when you go through 3, verse 11, there's a lot that we don't know. And there's a lot of, if you you study this, if you look at this, if you go deep in this and you go, there's just a lot that you just, it's hard to unpack Jesus as God who left heaven, put flesh on. And the Bible says that he emptied himself of specific things. So it's just like, ah, like what, what, what does that mean? There's so much to that. Like, what does that mean? Today, we will give it our best shot to kind of unpack that too to what I believe is to what we know, but we don't have all the pieces. But you got to realize that, B.C., sometimes when you're reading Scripture, you don't get the whole story. You get what we need to get. You get what we understand and what we can study and dive into. But this is kind of one of those things that even as much as you unpack it, you're like, ah, I think there's still more. And this is where we're at with this. I believe that there's a lot more to this that we don't truly know but there's enough that we can unpack. So come on, I want to get into this. It says this, verse three, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself. Highlight that, underline that. Like do something with that that you're like, I want this to pop off the page for me. Uh, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're called to have the same attitude in this particular area as Jesus Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, something to be, to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of man. Those two verses, six and seven will blow up your mind if you let it until we try to unpack it the best we can. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Underline that, highlight that. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Highlight that, underline that, obedient. To the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is of every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow to those who are in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Highlight, circle, Lord. To the glory of God the Father. All right, come on, back to verse 3. That's what we're studying this morning. This is what we're diving into, Philippians 2, 3 through 11. All right, here we go. Come on, get this. Verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Do nothing. There's some dos and there's some do nots here. So when you see dos and do nots, highlight them in different colors so you realize this is what I'm not supposed to do, uh, but it also tells me what I'm supposed to do. So that you can break it down and make it so clear to you in your Bible studying that it's like, okay, uh, it tells me what not to do. And it says do, look at do nothing from selfishness. Do nothing from selfishness. Selfishness is you make it so much about you that you cause strife with others. You are so self-centered that you actually cause problems and you cause strife with other people. That, that's what this word means. Do not do anything from self-centeredness, from making it all about me, not caring about what anyone else does. I'm gonna make it about me, and in that, I'm causing strife. That, that's what this says. And again, this is Paul's letter to the church. This is church-related, body-related. Do nothing from self, selfishness. Right, that, That's you being so self-centered that it's always got to be about you that it brings strife. Now look at the second thing. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Empty conceit is that person who has to have all the attention. Right, it, It's that person that they're functioning from a place of self-centeredness, and it actually causes strife. Then it's that person that says, I, I need all of the attention so that everything I'm doing, it's, it, it's to showcase, right? It, it's, it's to, it's to uh, your version may even say vain glory, like it's a glory that's empty because they're trying so hard to impress everybody that it doesn't matter what they do as long as they get the attention, as long as they're making an impression on people that's not for a godly impression, it's for a, a self-motivation, like everyone look at me, I want, I want you to be impressed by everything that I'm doing. Everybody look at me. They make it so much about me, me, me. They make it about themselves, self, self. And it's just like, ah, that just, that there's something off with that when you're around these people who just make it about them so that you give them all the accolades so that you're so impressed by them and, and they love all of the attention. And you see where Paul's going somewhere here with the church. Where he says, listen, don't don't do that. Do the opposite of that. He says, but be humble, but humility of mind. But with humility of mind. But with humility of mind. That's the opposite of that whole selfishness. It's the opposite of I want all the attention. It's the opposite of what everything I do is just to impress everybody so that they look and smile at me and say great things about me. He says, no, 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 hold on, but you're supposed to do things from the humility of of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourself. I love this. Regard one another as more important than yourself. And do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Do not be so self-absorbed and so self-consumed that life is always about you. Therefore, you don't need to depend on God every hour. Lord, I need you. I need you. Every hour do I need you. And there is that dependent on him. This, As Paul defines this type of person, they don't need anybody but themselves. And they want everyone else to need them. No, he's like, no, uh, you need to have a humility of mind. You need to regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. Also the interest of others. So my first question to us is, do you have a self problem? Do you have a self problem where it's always about me? It's always about self. It's always for the attention of others, so much so that you have caused strife in other places. You have caused strife at home. You've caused strife in church. You've caused strife at work. That it is always about you. And in doing that, you don't care who you step on to gain ground. You don't care that, that you raise yourself up at the same time you're putting other people down. This is, this is that person that They do whatever it takes to get ahead, step on the person so that I can gain ground. That's what this is referencing. The opposite of that is think more of other people than you do yourself. I want you to see this because I want you to get this because this is, this is the reality of, of what it means to be Humble. Let me give you the pregame, like, the word we're looking for, have this attitude in yourself that is in Christ Jesus. The attitude is more of a character trait. It's somebody who understands humility. It's somebody who understands what it is to be humble. And listen, don't get into the false humility. Like, oh, I'm so low, I'm such a loser, and I'm so, you know, like, like no, nah, you're bragging now on how much of a loser you are so that you get all the attention. We're. No, it's, it's not, I did not come up with this definition. This is a definition that I love, that I use. It speaks to me. I think it's the closest definition to, to humility, right? Humility is not weakness. That's not humility. Like, humility isn't being a coward. That's not humility. Humility isn't backing down from a God fight that we're called to fight and stand our ground. That's not humility. Humility truly is not thinking less of myself, it's not like, oh, I'm a loser, oh, I'm so low, oh, I can't do nothing right, I'm so humble. I, no, you're probably a loser, I don't know what to tell you, but if you're acting like it and talking like it, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, I don't know. But like, it's, it's, not, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking, watch this, it's thinking of yourself less. You are not always on your mind. Life isn't always about you. No, 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 I, I'm putting others before myself, I'm actually following through with this, and it says I'm merely looking out not for my own personal interest but for the per- for the interest of others. No, I'm going to be humility of mind, which means I'm thinking uh, of Sean less, and I'm putting other people in that place. Right? I-, I want others to thrive. I want others to strive and do great things. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Like the opposite of humble is being pride, and proud, and arrogant, and stuffy, and it's haughty, and it's about me, right? And and D.L. Moody had this great quote, and it says, uh, be humble before you stumble. Be humble before you stumble. And it's funny, funny story this week. Renee and I are fun, I'm fun and I don't know if she laughs or she gets mad at me because I I, I sent myself texts. I text myself all the time. I text majorly two people, Renee, my wife, and myself. And I text myself quotes. I'll read something. I'll like it. I don't want to forget it, so I text it, or I'll take a picture of it. Like, it's just an awesome way for me to communicate to me and not forget cool quotes. And in studying this week and going over this, I saw this great quote from D.L. Moody, Be humble before you stumble. And then I went back in my text and tried to find my quote. I'm like, where did it go? Well, I sent it to Renee, and not Sean. So I'm like, why is she not talking to me? What does it matter? Like, you know, you get a text from your husband. Be humble before you stumble. Like, it's just like, ah, I'm kidding. She she was talking to me. I'm making that up. But I'm not making up that I sent the text to the wrong phone number. It was Renee's. And it's like, and I had to, right when I saw him, I'm like, honey, you're, you're very humble, honey. I wasn't saying anything about you stumbling and falling because, like, it was nothing like that. That was to go to me and my phone and not to you. So I'm now explaining myself to my bride, going to be humble before you stumble. Like, it was just, but, but we're going to see that. Reality is Proverbs speaks to this. Proverbs speaks to being humble. Proverbs speaks to the destruction of being haughty, the destruction of being prideful the destruction of making everything about you, right? Come on, I want you to look at this. Proverbs chapter 11. Turn with me, please. We're going to just do a few, a few turns to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11, please. Come on, I want you to see this. Uh, again, you know our love for, at Believer's Chapel for Proverbs is such a, a, a great, great book of wisdom, do's and don't do's. In Proverbs 11, chapter 2, it says this. Proverbs 11, chapter 2. But when pride comes, then comes dishonor. And with the humble is wisdom. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. Don't forget, uh, be humble before you stumble, right? Uh, Be humble or you will stumble. we got to pay attention to that through Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. Come on, chapter 16, please. Chapter 16, Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 18, Proverbs 16, 18. I love hearing the pages turn. If you have your Bible, Bible, just hold it up. I want to actually see how many Bibles. I love the Bibles at Believer's Child. I know you're holding up phones, and that's cool. You're not as cool as the the Bible. You're cool with your phone, but it's more cool to have the onion skins just kind of flipping. I love it. If you have your phone, I love you. I'm, I'm pumped about that. But I love the pages, and it's so good to hear pages turning in church. Bring your Bibles, even your phones. I'm cool with that. But bring it where we can get on it. And, 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 and some of you are like, Sean, I have to read the Bible because it's so dark in here. We have turned the lights up so you can bring your Bibles and you can read them. Because that was a, it was a sincere complaint and we took it to heart and I agree with you. I want the lights up during preaching because we got to get into the word so you can read it. Come on, chapter 16, verse 18 uh, says this. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Get this. Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Be humble before you stumble, right? Be humble before you stumble. Come on, chapter 18, chapter 18, chapter 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor but humility goes before honor. Church, this is something that we just really need to deal with as a church and as individuals and as husbands and wives and teenagers and young adults and college students and just, you got to realize it was the fall of Satan where Satan wanted to be like God. He wanted to be as strong as God. He wanted to be worshiped like God and he became full of pride. And it cost him, and it will cost him an eternity of of absolute lake of fire damnation for for our enemy who is Satan, our adversary, the one who who comes against us, the one who hates us. It started with him wanting to be better than God, wanting to be worshipped like God. That's pride. And then you have it, the fall of man, which was Adam and Eve, which pride sunk in to Adam and Eve, led by Satan, the serpent gets into the garden and begins to go after Adam and Eve and causes Eve to to bite into that fruit because she wanted to have the knowledge of of the true knowledge of of good and evil. And, and you would be like God. And there is this pride that would show up even in that. And that was the cause of the downfall of all mankind. Every person who's ever breathed has sinned for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the base of that is pride. So we can see, man, there's things that we need to deal with, maybe even in our own personal lives to say, God, I, I want to walk with humility. I, I want to think so much less of Sean, in a sense of thinking of Sean less, in, in a sense of putting other people first, in, in a sense of putting the interests of other people first, putting my wife's interests first, my children, when it's when, when there's a place for that as they grow older and it's awesome, like, we're in an amazing season of life, Renee and I, with two grandchildren and the families are together and we're having a blast and it's, we don't want to make it ever about us, but what's best for them, like, this is mindset. But man, pride can, can quickly get in there and if you're not careful, it will be so destructive. It will be so destructive. It just will destroy and, and I want us to, to, to see that, right? I want us to see that. Come on back to Philippians, please. And we're going to see this amazing picture of Jesus here and, and like what, what this really tells us about Christ. And, and I want you to see this. All right, here we go. Come on. Here, here's some stuff. It says this, verse, uh, verse four, it says, do not merely look personal interest, but for the interest of others. Verse five, have this attitude in yourself. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. For who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, being found as the appearance of man, he humbled himself. He emptied himself, circled that. He humbled himself, circled that. So when you see this attitude that's in Christ, again, read scripture, read verses around it, draw lines, connect the lines. Well, what is this attitude? What, what, I'm supposed to carry an attitude, that same attitude that Jesus carried. Well, isn't it amazing that the Bible tells us the attitude that Jesus carried? It doesn't leave us wondering, right? So when you read the scripture, ask questions. Okay, I'm supposed to carry that same attitude or character trait that Jesus carried, and he humbled himself. Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ left heaven, put on flesh, by humbling himself. He didn't make it about him. He made it about us. Come on, Matthew 11. Do we have that up top? Matthew 11:29. 29. I want you to see this. You see it throughout scripture. I don't know. Did I put that up there? I think so. There you go. Here we go. Take my yoke upon you, lean, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I love this. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He tells us throughout Scripture, Right? That, that we are to be like him and learn from him. And when you understand Jesus' humility, you, this, is, this is where we start to unpack a couple verses that it's like, oh man, what, what could this possibly mean? That we're supposed to carry the same attitude of being humble, not making it about us, but concerned about others, just as Jesus did. Watch this. Back to verse six, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Like, what does that mean? But emptied himself. What does that mean? Taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. Well, there's a couple of things here that we really have to nail down first. There, there's some teaching out there that's not accurate in the sense of when Jesus left heaven, he gave up being God. That is false. Jesus has always been from eternity past. He has no beginning. Jesus has always been God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father has always been. God the Son, that is Jesus, has always been. God the Holy Spirit has always been. And that is his nature. Church, you've got to understand. This is one of those huge things that you have to understand. When Jesus left heaven, he did not give up being God. He has always been God. He is God in the flesh when he was here. And he is God now, sitting at the right hand of the Father. This is Jesus. He's always deity. He's always divine. He's always been... God, he didn't give up the nature of being God when he left heaven and put on flesh. 100% God, 100% man. We see this throughout scripture, but there's just this false sense of, well, when he put on flesh, he emptied himself. People take that as he emptied himself of being God. That is not accurate. He's always, he, he can't ever give up being God. That is his nature. That is his nature. I'm a man. From a seed of a woman to my, uh, my, my dad to my mom, I am a man. I was a man in the womb. I was a man as an infant. I was a man as a child. I was a man as a teenager. I'm a man as a dog. I can put on a dress and call yourself a dude in a dress. It doesn't make you anything other than a dude in a dress. You're a man. Why? Because that's my nature. Right? Jesus Christ's nature is God. Can't change that. He's always been God and he always will be God. So, when, man, when you try to, to look at the, the reality of what he did, church, this is that mystery. Like, you've got God who left heaven because of the sin of mankind in our destruction, in our sin, but yet he had to come, be born of a virgin, so there was innocence through the bloodline of Jesus Christ to find himself in flesh and on the cross. Like, the, like when, when you begin to understand what this really looks like, he, he emptied himself. Well, what did he empty himself of? there were some self privileges that he emptied himself of and there's 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 things in scripture again that kind of surround this and i want you to write this down that that he was self limitation this is this is where you kind of got to say okay god there's there's things that we just don't understand like cuz he didn't empty himself of miracles he didn't empty himself of his divine power and authority like, we remember he walked on water. We remember in the boat, he spoke to the wind and the storm. and it Like, the wind and the storm, they obeyed him. He didn't empty himself of miraculous power. He didn't empty himself of his authority over, over creation. He didn't empty himself over the power and the authority he had, he had over demonic spirits, where when Jesus would show up, they would identify him immediately. Hey, what would what, what you do to us? Like, they, they were so concerned about what Jesus, who was God, was going to do to them like, he didn't empty himself of all that. There was this self-limitation that there were moments that we would see where he didn't exercise his authority. Remember when he's in the garden, he, he, he's going and they're coming to arrest him and you've got Peter, bold Peter. He's ready to, literally ready to die for Jesus, protecting Jesus, stand behind me, Jesus, pulls out his dagger, he's ready to fight. And then, and then Jesus is like, hey, 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 Peter, don't you know that I could? Call on the Father, and he could send 72,000 angels. Don't you know I could put an end to this. Isaiah 53 verse two tells us that Jesus he just looked like a man. He, he came in the form and the likeness of man. He, he put on flesh like a man. There was nothing I love 52 53 verse two says, there was nothing particular about His appearance. He just looked like a man. He didn't come with his skin glowing. He didn't come with a halo over his head. Some dumb pictures show Jesus so glowing and skin's glowing. His face is like so bright and radiant with a halo. Like that's 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 not accurate. That's just a dumb picture. Jesus came. The Bible says in Isaiah 53:2 that no one even paid attention to him. He didn't have a special glow. He didn't have angels surrounding him and walking with him with fiery swords. He didn't have angelic wings. He came in the likeness of man. He just put on flesh. He felt what we feel with great emotion, with great pain in his spirit, with great pain in his body. Church, what happens when you begin to try to unpack this and say, how is it that God, uh, Jesus, who is God, who is creator, came into that which he created and became creation? Ah! which is infinite became finite that which is limitless without any borders without any time or space like this is Jesus who was limitless put on flesh to have a limit he experienced flesh he experienced pain. He had to go through the birth canal. He had to go through breastfeeding. He had to go through the natural cause of it. Like he was watch this now. He was in need of his mom to live. Why? Because he was of the flesh. It's crazy to think that way. The one who who was the creator came into creation. He who was limitless and forever put himself in a very limited body And then number three is this that he who was sinless he came to this earth and put himself on a cross to become sin church he's God he's always been God he always will be God and he will be God forever All of that so you and I can be free from our sin our problem that wasn't Christ's problem that's our problem sin is our problem but God so love you that Jesus did all of that he left heaven put on flesh emptied himself of certain limitations, certain authorities. Became in the likeness of man. In in physical, being limited physically. Feeling pain physically. Feeling emotion physically. Feeling the abandonment. All of this he felt as a man. so there would be a specific, perfect time in all of history that he would find himself on a cross as payment for our sin. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ, for although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, being made in the likeness, and he became a bond slave for you and me. Church, what's our response to this? Truly, what is our response to this? Like when when Paul is writing this, there is such depth to all of this. But what's our response to it? He did all of that for my problem, for my sin to one time and forever deal with the sin issue once and for all so that I could be restored so that I could be reconciled I could go from that place of enemy to friend so that he would pay that price to buy me back so that I could be adopted as his eternal forever son for God God so loved Sean Omerfeld, that he gave his only begotten son. And all of this is in play for that. I really don't think we can truly unpack all of this and what it, what it really means that he'd emptied himself when we see that he still knew the thoughts of man. You don't know the thoughts of man. He knew a man's thinking before he would speak. He spoke of things to come and they happened. He spoke to the wind and it obeyed. He spoke to the demons and they obeyed. Like he still functioned in great authority and great power. You see it. There are certain moments that he was self-limited. But being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Church, highlight a line from obedient to humble. Because when you when you understand what it is to be humble, I believe the the proof positive of one who is humble is one who can obey. It, it says it here. Look at. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, he humbled himself and was what? He was obedient. He humbled himself. One of the, one of the proof positives of someone who's functioning in human, in being humble is that you can be obedient. Obedient to the word, not being arrogant to the person. I see it. Nah, I don't want to do that. Nah, I see it a different way. Nah, I'm gonna do it my own way. Yeah, but the Bible says this. Yeah, I know, but I'm gonna do it differently. Yeah, but the Bible says this, and you're not doing this. No, I'm gonna do it my way. That's arrogance, that's pride, that's haughty. No, no, it's us saying, God, I surrender, I need to be obedient, I need to walk in my humility and not make this thing about me. But one of the proof positives in life that you can tell if somebody truly is humble is what is their level of obedience. That is to the word. At home, family, work, like just what is it? Of being obedient. Because that means you put yourself under someone else. That means you put yourself under the authority of someone else. As did Jesus to God. I only do what I see the Father doing. There was that putting under the authority of the Father. And he showed himself. Church, even walking through that whole scene in the garden, is there any other way? What's plan B? Can this cup pass from me? But yet not my will, but let your will be done. Proof positive of humility is your level of obedience. love this. Here we go. Watch this. For this, here's the good news, man. Here's the, here's the, here's that. I love this. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him. I love this. For all of these reasons, because Jesus left heaven, because Jesus emptied himself, because Jesus uh, humbled himself to a point of obedience, even point of, of death on a cross, because Jesus, you did all of these things, 100% God, 100% man. Because you did all of these things. Because you went through with the eternal plan. This was the plan from the beginning of time that man will fall. Jesus, you're the answer. Jesus, you're the answer. There's a day you're going to leave heaven, you're going to put on flesh, you're going to live for 30-some years, you're going to do miracles, and your ministry's going to start, it's going to be amazing, and then at 33, you're going to find yourself on a cross, and in all of that, in that exact moment of time, my wrath is going to be poured on you, Jesus, this is the deal, because you did that, because you walked in obedience, because you finished the job, you finished the plan. For this reason also God highly, highly exalted him. God has lifted him high. He's putting him in a place of exaltation. He's putting him in a place of being honored. He's putting him in a place of being dignified. Those worthy of respect because he has lifted him high. That, that is what this looks like. This is what this means. Because of all of this and because of this reason, God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Church, I love this. Bestowed on him the name. It's more of a title. And we're going to get to that in a second. The name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus. That's his name. At the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow to those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, here it is, is Lord. That's the title. Highlight that, circle that. When you realize Jesus went through all of this, God has highly exalted his son and given him the name Lord or the title Lord. And that is his sovereignty. That is he is master. That is he is supreme in authority. That is his power. That is his His, his reigning kingdom this is the lord whom at which we submit to and we surrender to and this is god saying i'm going to highly exalt you and every single knee is going to bow and every single tongue they are going to confess church hear me please you got to get this right you got to understand this when the bible says every tongue and every knee That means every tongue, and that means every knee, every single person who's ever walked this planet, every single person who has denied the truth of Jesus Christ, every atheist, every agnostic, every evil person, every single person in the history of all mankind, there will be a day, I promise you on this word, that there will be a day that every single person who's ever denied Christ, they, they will be before the throne and they will take a knee before Christ and they will confess that he is Lord but at that pro, at that point, church hear me please, it is just too late I am so thankful I am so thankful that I have responded to the gospel at 11 years old in, in Allegheny Baptist Church I responded to the gospel to say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And church, you are either going to take a knee on this side of eternity and confess that he is master and confess that he is Lord. Confess him as your savior. Understand our desperate need for salvation. And we have forever eternal life in him if we do it on this side, but when you reject and you don't believe, there will be a day, I promise, that you will bow before the throne. And at that moment, you will confess that he is Lord. And then you will hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. See, he has a son, has life. He does not have the son, does not have life. Where are you in this this morning? That Jesus Christ, He left heaven, put on flesh, put Himself on a cross to deal with our issue. In all of His obedience, the Father has highly exalted Him, where He sits at the right hand of the throne continually as God. you confessed him as Lord? Have you understood your desperate need for salvation? Do you need, do you you have a, a deep understanding that it's not by your good works? It's not by believers chapel, it's not by your church attendance, it's not by your tithes and offerings, it's not by you just being a good person, it's not by you being kind. It's none of none of none of that. That's that that's that's religion, that's not relationship with Jesus. No, no, I have to come to a point to say, no, it's my sin that has separated my myself from Jesus, and I rightfully deserve death. I deserve to be forever separate from him. Had it not been for God so loved me that he would send his only son. For me, this is personal, church. This is personal. I deserve death, but Jesus died for me because God loved me and sent His son for me, and I believe that with everything in me. I believe that the cross was my salvation. Jesus Christ put himself on that cross. The blood that he shed was innocent blood, and that was the covering for my sin. And I know that I'm born again, and I know that I am saved, and I know that I have eternal life, and I make my decision to, to, to bow my knee to him, and I make my decision to confess that he is Lord. Here only earth so that when I get to heaven well done my good and faithful servant I am excited that there will be a day that I get to stand before the very face of Jesus Christ my Savior and my Lord and I know that I have confessed that he is Lord that I know that I am forgiven of my sin only because of Jesus so come on what about you where are you in this where are you in this because I promise you there will be a day that you will bow before the king. My hope is this, that it's not too late. My hope is this, that it's not before the eternal judgment. When you chose to make this life just about you, and you denied truth, but that can change today. That can change today. Come on, bow your heads, please, just for a moment. Come on, do you know Christ as Lord? Are you truly born again based on his terms? God, that you would just speak to us in this moment. God, I just pray for your spirit right now. Just reveal to us exactly where we're at. Do we know you? Are we saved? Do I trust you as Lord and Savior? Have I trusted in myself? God, speak to us right now. Church, where are you in this? Do you know Christ is Lord? Number one, we come before a holy God and we admit our sin. God, my sin, my fault, I deserve to be forever separate from you. I deserve that because of my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner here and now. I admit that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve I don't deserve to be with you forever because of my sin. But Jesus, you died for me in my place. Jesus, this is a free gift of salvation. I can't earn this. I don't deserve this. But God, you love me. And Jesus, you died for me in this moment right now, Jesus, I put my trust in you. If you're in this place and you know God by his spirit is just tugging at your heart, that you would just say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Right here in this moment, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, in this moment, I put my trust in you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And then just say, Jesus, I surrender. Because on this side of eternity, I confess that you are Lord, that you are master, that you are supreme in authority, that you are are sovereign, and I honor you, and I honor your majesty and your excellence and your radiance. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord in this moment right now, I just surrender to you. And I ask that you would fill me with your spirit right now. That there would be an eternal change in my spirit. That I no longer belong here on the earth, but God, I have a home waiting for me because of eternal life. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I acknowledge you. Jesus, I trust you. Man, if that's you this morning, I just want to give you just a second, man, that you would just in your spirit cry out to God, God, forgive me. I want to confess you as Lord here and now. Make me new. Make me new. Make me new. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Come all heads bowed. I don't normally do this, but if you truly made a decision for Christ this morning, and I don't do this, but heads bowed, on the count of three, just raise your hands high for me. Come on, one, two, three, put them up high. Put them up high that you just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Jesus, I pray over everyone that's come to you today that they would walk in a manner right and worthy of you, God, that you truly would fill them with your Holy Spirit now, that they'd walk in great power and great authority. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen. Hey, come on, let's stand to our feet, please. And as we, we close with a song, man, I'm just asking you, man, come on. What has God spoke to you uh, in, in who we are and taken on the attitude of Christ. Come on.